Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening our eyes to a new view of life. I'm glad you joined us today. You know, each day we live, we have a series of choices of where to spend our time and what to think and how to go about our day. And some people choose to fill the gaps in their day with worthwhile things. That's why I like uplifting podcasts. This podcast is born from a deep desire to help all of us live a happier life and the firm belief that a powerful way to make that happen is to open our eyes to new ways of seeing life. We believe at the foundation of our behavior and beliefs is the way we see the world and ourselves in it. So hopefully today in this time together, we can get a new perspective of how to think and live better. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about finding your purpose. Now, you may not believe what you're about to hear, but what I'm about to talk about is true. It's estimated that the pace of discovery and application of tech and science in the treatment of disease and improving health has grown exponentially in the last decade. Each year, more and more discoveries emerge that can and likely will change life as we know it. Is there a day coming in your lifetime in which limbs can be regrown? Organs for your own transplant will be grown outside of your body, just starting with just a few cells? Sight can be restored for people suffering many types of blindness? Cancer will be targeted and prevented with a vaccine? And symptoms of Parkinson's disease entirely removed? And the causes of so much suffering cured? Well, it sounds far-fetched. But science is closer than you think. And here are the few most exciting discoveries. First are the major breakthroughs in regenerative medicine. Regenerative medicine is a branch of medicine that develops methods to regrow, repair, or replace damaged cells, organs, and tissues. For example, last year, the Center for Regenerative and Developmental Biology at Tufts University conducted a study using a combination of drugs and a small bioreactor that has been in development for years. In the study, they amputated the legs of 115 African clawed frogs, and within 24 hours of amputation, they administered the treatment. The frogs that were given the treatment regrew their legs. The drugs that are a part of the treatment instruct the cells inside the frog to regrow the limbs. You see, your cells already know how to make all the organs or limbs in your body. And science just needs to discover how to trigger and convince your cells to do what we want your cells to do. Now, some scientists believe that by 2030, we will have the technology to regrow and restore human tissue and even organs. For example, the technology could repair hearts damaged by heart attacks and mend organs for transplants. The hope of amputees is that this treatment will restore lost limbs. And the scientists believe that this isn't far away. Another advancement has been made by researchers who are seeking to heal a form of blindness called retinitis pigmentosa. To do so, they've developed a chip that is placed in a person's retina. The chip has 1,500 light-detecting electrodes, and the medical breakthrough is finding how much electrical current is needed to produce the sensation of light in the brain. Now, if you've had or know someone who has lymphoma, lung, or bladder cancer, 
you've likely heard of immunotherapy. But the science of immunotherapy is advancing quickly. And the advancement in immunotherapy earned James Allison and Tosco Honjo the Nobel Prize. And it is likely to transform cancer care. And discoveries have led scientists to plasmids, which are infectious agents that cause cancer. And scientists believe that in the future, you could get immunized against many preventable cancers by finding the right plasmids. And one scientist said, all evidence of infections linked to cancer provides hope of preventing up to half of all cancers in this way. And we haven't talked about the discoveries in brain mapping and neuroscience that could lead to the treatment for conditions such as Parkinson's disease. Scientists are coming close to understanding the chain of events that lead to the damage and loss of brain cells with this disease. And there are other advancements in mental health, aging, cartilage regeneration, and stem cell technology. You know, it's incredibly interesting to me that in just my lifetime, the average lifespan of a male in the United States has improved from 69 years to 79 years. And even more amazing is the average lifespan of males worldwide has increased from 51 to 73 in the same time period. And could it be that in the next 30 years, the average lifespan will increase to 85 or 90? It's very likely. You know, we spend our youth preparing for employment, and we spend our employment years preparing for retirement. And now retirement, between the ages of 65 and the time we die, will likely last longer than our youth, and for some people, longer than our employment years. You know, just a few weeks ago, the oldest known person in the world died at age 118 and 340 days. She was less than a month away from her 119th birthday. Known as Sister Andre, a Roman Catholic nun throughout her life, she was born in 1904. In 2021, she was diagnosed with COVID and survived. And at the time of her death, she was just three years away from being the oldest person in recorded history. And that record is held by Jean-Louis Galment, also of France, who lived to be 122 years of age. Now, during the time that Sister Andre held the title of oldest living person on earth, she was interviewed hundreds of times. Reporters and people were seeking to find the secret to a happy and long life. It's interesting, isn't it? That we're all in search of this feeling of a happy and long life. Well, in these interviews, Sister Andre had a lot to say. The best memory of her life were when both of her brothers came home after serving in World War I. She said everyone in the family expected them not to survive because over 9 million soldiers were killed in that war. Until the age of 41, Sister Andre worked as a governess in Paris. She loved children and helping them grow and learn. And she called this the happiest time of her life. It's interesting, isn't it? Are your 30s the happiest time of your life? Then at age 41, driven by a renewed purpose in life, she joined the Daughters of Charity and Order of Nuns, and she worked there for 31 years. Then she moved to the Mediterranean coast. She said, people say that work kills. Well, for me, work kept me alive. I kept working until I was 108 years old. But her interviewers all walked away 
with two other precious truths about a long and happy life. The first is this. She said, people should help and love each other instead of hating, a principle that does make a long life worth living. And the second is what I'd like to talk about today. She said, find your purpose in life. Life without purpose is no life at all. Now, as I look at my life, I've only lived one half of the time that Sister Andre lived, meaning if I live to be her age, I have just as many years ahead of me as I do behind me. And you likely have even more years ahead of you than behind you. And if so, then what is your purpose? Do you know? And are you seeking to fulfill that purpose? And even if you are, can you see how it makes for a vibrant and healthy life when you have a purpose? It doesn't mean an easy life and sometimes not even a pleasant life, but it does mean vibrant and healthy and worthwhile. You know, worthwhile is an interesting word. We use it in the English language all the time without really thinking about it. The definition is being worth the time or effort spent, worthy, valued. And it's healthy to ask the question, is our living and the way we are going about our living worthwhile to those around us? Perhaps one of the first questions to ask and answer about finding our purpose in life is this, what drives your life today? Because when you look around at the lives of people in your life and mine, you see lots of things that are driving others. Some people are driven by guilt. I have a close friend driven by guilt. She's all but given up in her life because she's wired to avoid making a mistake about which she will reflect and rehearse and regret. So she never tries. She never steps out of her comfort zone. And the steering wheel in her life has been handed over, and she lacks purpose and clarity in her day. Now, perhaps your life is driven by resentment or anger. Maybe after your divorce, you've never been able to lose the resentment or obsessive thinking that now controls who you are. Perhaps you know someone whose life is driven by selfishness, and their frame of reference is themselves against everything and everyone else in life. You know, the person who, when you speak with them, must talk and talk exclusively about themselves or their opinion, rarely, if ever, turning from their inward-looking lens to focus on the amazing people and circumstances around them. And how they can help or serve or wait on those around them is furthest from their view. Or maybe you know someone who's driven by materialism or the perception of success, or others driven by the ever-aching need to get attention or accolades or to have their image on social media, and the list goes on. So how do you and I replace or redirect these types of drivers in our life? Find our purpose. You see, when we find worthwhile purpose, we can set aside what drives our life and steer our life to places that we're destined to go. Now, just in case you doubt whether purpose in life matters, let's look at two recent research studies. The first was published in Psychology Science, and I found it at the National Library of Medicine. In this study, two professors recruited participants in 1995 and then followed those participants in their life for 14 years thereafter. These participants also participated in a national longitudinal study of health and well-being, so, the researchers had ongoing information year after year on their general health and other psychological factors. The participants 
were given an assessment to determine the degree to which they had a purpose in life. As they tracked these people over the years, of course, they tracked the mortality and lifespan of the participants. And during their years of tracking, 569 participants in the study died. Almost 20 years later, they published their conclusions, and here they are. People in the study who had scored highest as having a purpose in life, even when controlling for other factors, lived longer. The researchers tried to quantify how much longer people with a purpose lived, and it was incredible, almost unbelievable. The data showed that people without a purpose had almost a 30% increased risk of dying. Now, in the second study that I read, this focused on older persons exclusively and was published in the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine. This study, conducted by two professors and two medical doctors, was a five-year study, and they concluded that purpose-driven people were 42% less likely to die during the next five years as compared to the people who didn't have purpose. Now, the point isn't to say, get a purpose so you can live longer, but maybe. The point is really to say a person with purpose is powerful. Powerful enough to extend life, perhaps, and bestow health and mental benefits that you might not find anywhere else. And the truth is, nothing is more important than knowing your purpose in life, and nothing can compensate for not knowing it. So, given all these considerations, how do you find your purpose, and what does a purpose-led life look like? Well, if you're lazy and you go to Google and type in, how do I find my purpose in life? You'll get links to all sorts of short articles giving you tips and tricks to finding your purpose. And these articles will tell you to create a personal vision statement and start giving back and practice gratitude in your life and the typical things that these self-help articles might say. And that is all good. These articles are well-meaning. But I'd like to share a few things I've learned over time that may be helpful as you consider your purpose in life. The first is this. Too many people never find their purpose in life because they believe that purpose must be large in scope and the impact must be notorious. There's nothing wrong with a big purpose like establishing world peace. But there's also nothing wrong with the simple purpose to genuinely work to make the lives of people in your life better. You see, sometimes we wait and wait for God to reveal something huge when, in fact, we could be about a meaningful purpose that is small, but could bring great purpose and wealth to our life. Agnès Boyajiu was born in August of 1910 to an Albanian family in the capital city of North Macedonia. And true to her family's tradition, she was baptized the day after her birth. She was the youngest child in her family, and her father died when she was only eight years old. And by the time she was 12, she had decided that she would be committed to her faith, to her family's religious life. And she made a promise to herself one day while at the shrine of the Black Madonna. And that promise was to give herself, her life, to relieve the suffering of the poor and poor in spirit. This was to be her purpose in life. So, true to her purpose and promise, at age 18, she joined the Sisters of Loretto at the Loretto Abbey in Ireland. And there she learned English and taught school. Not long after, she was assigned to the Loretto Mission in India. And there she learned Bengali and taught at a school at St. Teresa's near her convent. 
Two years later, she took her religious vows and a new name. The name she chose was Teresa, after the patron saint of missionaries and the school where she taught. She loved teaching in the lower Himalayas, but the poverty in Calcutta was constantly on her mind. So one day, as she was traveling by train to the Loretto Convent from Calcutta for an annual retreat, she received a call, a feeling from heaven. She said, it told me I was to leave the convent and help the poor while living among them. Now, this wasn't some grand purpose that the world would likely ever know, but she gave herself to it, to live among the poor and help them. And she did. She got basic medical training, discarded her religious wardrobe for a simple white cotton sari, and opened a small school to train other young women who wanted to help the poorest of the poor. Now, during those first few years, she begged for food and supplies. She said that sometimes she had doubt and she was lonely. She even considered returning to the convent where life was easier. And she would later write about an especially discouraging time. She said, while looking for a home, I walked and walked until my arms ached. This was typical of those days. But her purpose kept her going. In 1952, Teresa opened up her first hospice with help from Calcutta officials. She converted an abandoned Hindu temple to a home for the dying. Those housed there got medical attention and some dignity during their final days and weeks of life. She then opened a hospice for lepers, calling it the City of Peace. Then she opened a children's home for homeless children and youth, and all of this began to attract donations. And her reputation grew, and she was able to open leper houses and orphanages throughout India. And by 1997, the little Calcutta congregation of 13 sisters she founded had grown to more than 4,000 sisters who managed orphanages, AIDS hospices, and charity centers for refugees, the blind, disabled, aged, alcoholics, and homeless. Her purpose remained the same throughout her life but her ability to fulfill that purpose grew. From the Indian government, she received many awards. She was honored by the Order of Australia, the UK, and the United States. In 1979, she received the Nobel Peace Prize. In each case, instead of an award, she asked that the costs of the ceremony and cash awards be given to the poor in India. Now, before her death, Mother Teresa made a public pledge that reconfirmed her purpose. She said, if I ever become a saint, I will surely be one of darkness, because I will continually be absent from heaven to light the light of those in darkness on earth. You see, she aligned her life to her purpose, and her name will be known for decades because of how she lived to that purpose. Now, you and especially me may not be able to do what Mother Teresa has done, or our purpose or name may never be thought of like hers. But we can follow her example. We can give our life to a purpose and live to fulfill it. So, perhaps your purpose may be as simple as to live so that your children have a model to follow. It could be that your purpose each day is to bring light and hope to the life of someone on your team or in your family. And that would be a remarkable purpose. You know, a few years ago, Adam Rifkin shared his simple giving practice called the five-minute favor. He says that having a purpose doesn't mean you have to be like Mother Teresa or Gandhi. 
you could do something as simple as give a five-minute favor several times a day. And I will tell you from experience, the practice of five-minute favors can and will change your view. Here's how it works. You see, we all find ourselves with five minutes here and there throughout our day. Perhaps your appointment ended early. Perhaps you have five minutes of quiet in the car after you drop the kids off at school. Whenever that happens, take those five-minute moments in your day and give to someone else. Every time you find an extra five minutes, think how and to whom you can give. It's amazing how rich your life will become if you take all the extra five minutes in your day to give. You know, a phone call to offer encouragement, five minutes to offer advice or to help a team member with their business, five minutes to make an introduction to help someone, five minutes to return the shopping cart for a fellow shopper, and a host of other ways to give. Here's what you'll find. Some people may give back to you in return, but that won't matter. The feeling of purpose that will come about in your life will give you more peace, and you will feel more valuable, of more worth to the world. You'll find more self-worth. And self-worth does so much in our life. You know, researchers from Brown University found that self-worth doesn't make people immune from struggles in life. But what they did find is self-worth is perfectly correlated with two important outcomes in life. The first, happiness, and the second, freedom from stress. Could it be that when we have self-worth, we are indeed more happy? I think so. And I think it's purpose that leads us to this end. Now, your purpose may seem small, but not to those you serve in that purpose. To them, it will mean the world. And don't wait to get started living your purpose. If it's destined to be notorious, God will make it so. But leave that to Him and just get started. So, as you think about your own life, you may think your light or purpose in life is small, but as the Scripture says, let your light so shine that when others see it, they will glorify and thank God in heaven. You know, as I think about small favors and meaningful purpose, I think of grandmothers. I love grandmothers. I had a wonderful grandmother. Her purpose in life was to make the lives of her grandchildren better by loving them unconditionally. And my grandmother was this type of person. When I was a boy, when I visited my grandmother's home, she would drop whatever she was doing, come to me, hug me, and make me feel like I was the most important person on earth. She constantly affirmed me and she spoke belief into me. And this continued throughout my young adulthood. One day, after I was married and living in an adjacent state, I received a call from my mother. She said Grandma had a stroke. She was not conscious and would not likely live much longer. So I jumped in the car and drove a number of hours to get there quickly. At about 9 a.m., as I walked into the hospital room, my mom said to my grandma, who had not responded to anyone, to any sounds or stimulus since her stroke, my mother said rather loudly, Mother, McKay is here. And she said it again. Mother, McKay is here to see you. My otherwise unresponsive grandmother opened her eyes. She said, among other things, McKay, I love you. And we talked for several minutes. I told her how much she meant to me. And she told me how happy she was to see me. She told me how special I was. And after a few minutes, her weak voice stopped and she closed her eyes again. Well, I stayed in the hospital room until about midnight with no change in her condition. 
I went to my mother's house to sleep for a few hours, and about an hour after I left, my grandmother slipped quietly into heaven. She opened her eyes for me, just like she had opened her heart for me a hundred times during her life. And I think it was just habit that when I walked into that hospital room that she woke up to tell me I was special and she loved me. Can't you see that our lives move in the direction of our purpose? And when we adopt a purpose of being compassionate and giving and affirming others, we create depth and love and beauty in life. Knowing your purpose in life simplifies your life. It's simple because when you're faced with a decision or with competing options, you can simply ask yourself, does this help me fulfill my purpose? And if not, you can move on without regret or restraint. Knowing your purpose makes life more fun. Knowing your purpose focuses your life. You can concentrate your effort and energy on what you're doing, and you're not distracted by minor issues. And as a result, you're less stressed or worried because you aren't focused on what most people are stressed and worried about. Next, to find your purpose, it's extremely helpful to ask yourself why you're here on this earth and what you're meant to do while you're here. You see, I believe that we live before we came to this earth and that God sent us here for a purpose. And that means that this life must be something wonderful for him to go to so much trouble to prepare a place for us here. And I believe that much of what Scripture is trying to teach us is that we do belong to God and His purpose. And when our purpose aligns with His, we find the most joy and peace. I've also learned that finding your true purpose almost always has to do with helping other people, because that is God's purpose. You know, one famous writer once wrote, you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. In many ways, I think that's true. Now, when we find our purpose in helping others, we lose our obsession with ourselves. Families and teams can be logical places to fulfill that purpose. That's why I like families and teams. Marriage is also a place to have purpose in giving of yourself. Although Johnny Carson may disagree. It was Johnny who said, married men live longer than single men, but married men are a lot more willing to die. (laughs) All joking aside, Mother Teresa said, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. And it was Benjamin Franklin that said, a long life may not be good enough, but a good life is long enough. So perhaps you could put on your dream board or on your phone a question And let this question occupy your mind for the next few weeks. And that question is, what is my purpose? And let the inspiration of others and heaven settle on your thinking. And I expect if you do this, you'll find that your purpose will become more clear. You know, one aging expert estimates that two-thirds of all the people who have ever lived past the age of 65 in human history are alive today. And I wonder how many of those people have lived their life with purpose. I suspect it's fewer than we think. Why? Because finding your purpose takes effort and work. You know, it took a lot of years for me to refine and define my purpose as I understand it today. I know I'm here on earth to do a few things and to do those things well. One might be to teach. The other might be to humbly help others rise to who they can be in life. And I don't think I'll ever do that in dramatic ways but that doesn't matter. I've come to learn that if I impact just a few people, I've done a great thing. 
And the same goes for you. As you lead your team, perhaps your purpose is to model how to be happy, work hard, be grateful, love, and not hate, and to think abundantly. Just think what a remarkable thing it would be to help others learn how to adopt these mindsets that could lead them to a happier life. Perhaps as a parent, your purpose is to help your kids learn to work, to take risks, to face and overcome challenges, and to have faith in God. And with these characteristics, they're prepared to face the challenges of life in good and healthy ways. Just as science is making dramatic breakthroughs in extending life and the quality of life, so you can make similar breakthroughs in living a long and happier life by finding your purpose. And when you find your purpose, you will find your life. So as we end today, remember, to have purpose doesn't mean something grand must be done. But instead, find your purpose in small ways, even giving of every spare five minutes that come your way in your day. Seek to keep your promises to that purpose and be committed to why you are here on this earth. And watch. You will find a happier, less stressful, more fulfilling, and more worthwhile life. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. And join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.